This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Today, the Lesbian Historic Motif Project is delighted to be talking to Lucy Dreamer, whose novel Heart of Gold just came out in April. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking a little about your book. Heart of Gold takes place during the Klondike Gold Rush, so roughly at the end of the 19th century. The basic plot is one we see regularly for Wild West settings in that era. So one woman who is living as a man in order to have more social and economic freedom, and another woman who finds herself unexpectedly alone on the frontier, and they find each other. So you indicated that this is the start of a series. Why don't you tell the listeners a bit about your vision for this story and the ones to follow? All right. So, yes, um, the first one starts in the Klondike uh, during the Gold Rush and actually ends as they are embarking on a new adventure, uh, and then Heart Sings, the second in the trilogy, they go to San Francisco, uh, where Thomas, my main character, who um, is dressing as a man, his dream is to to own a ranch uh, in in the West. And so the second sequel picks up there, where they uh, build their own house and live on the ranch. Uh, and then the third is, uh, actually there's a bit of a time jump. And it uh, takes takes place around 1915, uh, and then it actually goes through World War One and and ends uh, into the 30s. So this is following one couple through all this. Yes. Yeah. So so you mentioned they go to San Francisco. Do you manage to get them there for the big quake, or I do not. Actually, they settle in Sacramento. Uh, sorry, they do settle in Sacramento, in the Sacramento Valley, right when um, kind of like the, the 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 big ranches are starting to fade away. You know, Thomas makes a go of it, and you know does does pretty well. I only asked about the quake because there seems to be like a an identifiable subgenre of lesbian historical romance that involves people being in San Francisco for the quake. So I was right. curious. <laughs> no, I you know I didn't. I I thought about putting that in. You know, I did. I actually I essentially skipped that part, and I and I drove them for him because I really wanted to touch upon. So Thomas and Rachel. Well, Rachel has. Uh, a, a son and you know they raise him together and you know as a married couple and um, a lot of the third the, you know the the final uh, in the series is TJ uh, is his name decides that he wants to join up for World War One and that's that's the big you know I wanted to to explore that and what that meant for the family uh-huh. so so yeah we we skipped the quake <laughs> I know Jay has done that such, you know, such justice. I, I couldn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and Kathleen Knowles did it. And there's a couple others. I mean, I, I actually have a tag for that in my database. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So the story doesn't actually start in the Klondike. It, 
it sounds like it starts with the characters and their backstories um, and how they ended up there. Why don't you give a little bit of background on that? So um, Thomasina, uh, who was born in Montana, she was promised or about to be promised to marry her uh, father's uh, business partner who already had children. He was a, a widower and she you know, she panics, she, she cannot, you know, she would rather die than, than marry this man. And so she strikes off on her own. And I don't spend a lot of time on her, her transformation, you know, where she decides to dress as a man. I open the scene with her purchasing clothing, you know, to, to become this, this, to become Thomas, essentially. And she works her way to the West Coast, and around the time that she's working on boats, she hears of the Klondike Gold Rush and says, this is the perfect opportunity for me to earn enough money to, to get her ranch. And so off she goes. And on the steamship up there to Seattle, she meets uh, Rachel, who is incredibly seasick. And so she helps her, you know, figure out a, a way to something she could do to her wrist, you know, to, to alleviate that pain. And it works. And they keep running into each other on their way up to the Klondike. And then tragedy strikes. And that gets our two main characters together. Yeah, because the, the second character, um, Rachel, right? Yes. Um, the, she, she's married at that point, And her husband wanted to go to the Klondike. Yes. Um, yeah. So on Rachel's story, uh, so she marries her, the boy who's been courting her since she was 15, 16. And he has a, a thirst for adventure. So they end up leaving their hometown. And they, too, start moving across the West. She's, you know, she's she's not, you know, completely in love with this, you know, with her husband. But, you know, they have a common goal, which is to, you know, share an adventure and, and travel. And they end up making their way to Seattle as well, where we instantly find that Roy is really not up for the challenge. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's very impulsive and very impatient uh, and makes some bad decisions that end up costing his life. <laughs> and conveniently for the plot, getting him off the stage. <laughs> 100%. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I really did make him a, a real... He's just, he, he's an idiot, <laughs> you know? but you know, he, he served his purpose and I tried to um, make it pretty, pretty dramatic. They were on the, uh, the Yukon river and, and one of the big rapids. So it's clear from the, the synopsis of the three book arc that Thomas is lifelong living as a man in society. Now, the lesbian fiction field in general has had something of an uneasy history around the trope of gender disguise in historical fiction with regard to transgender understandings of similar historic figures. How did you approach that aspect of it in terms of the, the character's self-identity and, and in terms of how modern readers would come to this story? You know, honestly, I, I didn't give a, a, a ton of deep thought to it. You know, I, I, I read Jay's Backward to or Backwards to Oregon many years ago. So I've read it a couple of times, actually, and, and just kind of, you know, taking the idea of it happening out of necessity, first of all, you know, for in order for a woman to live how she wanted. There were very few options. And, you know, for Thomas... She took the, the route of, of dressing as a man. 
Um, I do cover a little early on that she knew she was different from the get-go. You know, she knew that she desired women the way that men desired women. Uh-huh. Uh, but she was resolved to, to never be able to explore that because obviously she had this, you know, big secret. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is, you know, when she meets Rachel and, you know, when they finally, when Rachel finally gets past the fact that Thomas is a woman, I explore a little bit more how, how Rachel sees her as, as almost two people. You know, mm-hmm. she's got her Thomas persona, but when they are alone, just them, she, she goes, oh, okay, I have my Thomasina, you know, it's, and it's, it's symbolized by the, the wrap that, that keeps her breasts down. It's like, once that's mm-hmm. off, she becomes Thomasina again. Uh-huh. So did you, uh, did you research the history of figures that cross gender in that way in the West? Or was this more coming out from your imagination? There was, so uh, there's a movie called The Ballad of Little Joe. Uh huh. Um, about Joseph, Josephine. I can't remember her last name right now, but um, she was roughly based on a on a real person who who actually did that. She she did end up, I think, marrying a man, but she moved across and she had a she had a a, a daughter as well that she she dressed as a man and pretended that you know she was a man with a with a daughter mm-hmm. um, moving across the country. But that's you know I didn't do a, a whole lot of of research. I most of the research went into Klondike and I wanted to get that right. But as far as, you know, Thomas, I wanted to go mostly from the very organic feeling, I guess. I don't know. I just. Uh-huh. So what led you to set the story in the Klondike? Do you have a, a personal connection with that area or with the history of the gold rush? I, I find it fascinating to compare the two, you know, the California cold gold rush versus this one and, you know, how much further and more treacherous the journey was to get there. And, you know, the fact that you had to have, a year's worth of supplies to, you know, to even be admitted passage, uh, I think is, is pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always been interested in, in learning more about it. And that, that turned into a story. So you mentioned in passing when we were just setting this up that the story started out life as a fanfic. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be too much of a spoiler for the characters to reveal what that original property was? It was uh, from the Winona Earp fandom. Ah, uh-huh. love, love, lots of lots of rich characters there to to explore. And hence the the sort of Wild West feel. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. What's the attraction of writing in historic settings for you? I know you have another novel coming out that's contemporary. How do the two processes differ for you? I, I love to research. So, and I, and I love history. So a lot of, you know, a lot of time I'll, I'll get like this idea, like, for instance, this one came to me, my, my son was reading a Jack London novel called The Wild. And I just started thinking, I'm like, well, you know, Klondike, I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to, you know, look more into that. And I'm like, wait, I can marry the two, <laughs> you know, right? One of my favorite lesbian tropes and set it in the Klondike. Definitely the, the research aspect I enjoy and, you know, putting characters into perilous situations. And of course, Klondike was ripe for that. <laughs> well, you've got yourself uh, quite a program set up with the, the three book series, but are there any other settings that you would love to set a story in? Oh, so many. I'm, I mean, I, to be honest, I have like four books finished that I'm just meeting out. And it's a mix of contemporary and historical, but uh, World War II is one of my favorite 
genres to write in as well, uh-huh. a historic time. So I'll, uh, I'll probably do something with that. One of the topics that I was interested in exploring was um, in Eastern Canada in the 1600s, French sent all their fur trappers and trackers over. They realized that they needed to populate uh, Eastern Canada, so they sent over 500, so either 300 or, or 500 women to to help populate uh, Eastern near Eastern Canada uh, territory. And uh, even today, the population can trace trace back to these original 500 women that uh-huh. were sent over. Uh, you know, to populate. So I thought that would be that would be an interesting um, uh, topic to to look at, and of course research some more. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, uh, I I seem to recall reading that a similar thing happened in New Orleans early on, where okay. a bunch of women, you know, poor women, were given dowries and you know basic supplies and shipped over to New Orleans to be available as wives. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting part of colonial history. Yeah, it's 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 insane to think about that. And you know, most of these women, they were, uh, you know, they were castoffs essentially. Um, well, there were two parts. There were you know, kind of castoffs, you know, women that people didn't want. But then there were also um, the higher class women who wanted to, you know, just have an adventure. You know, who, you know, had. Mm-hmm tired of the, the, the French men, I guess, in France and wanted a, a bit of adventure. And they got paid. So, you know, that, that was enticing as well. One of the interesting cycles in history is the, the quote-unquote surplus women issue mm-hmm. that happens, especially after major wars. And there's a fascinating parallel cycle of feminism and looking for you know more women's rights when you have women who may not have marriage available to them and then they still need to make a living so mm-hmm. that that's a it ties in very nicely with the history of women finding ways of living that are not the standard heterosexual marriage script right and imagine having that and then having it taken away so this is, I think, your first novel being published? Yes. Yes. How did, what was that journey like for you? Have you wanted to be an author all your life? Uh, did it just suddenly occur to you? Have you been ra- writing fan fiction for a very long time? Um, actually, yes, I, I have. I, I started out writing poetry uh, around high school, kind of dabbled in that. And then probably, yeah, around, well, the Xena fan fiction craze. I was involved in that. Of course, I think most uh, lesbian fiction writers uh, of a certain age have definitely either read or, or have written. Right. Um, but I started there. Gosh, over fifteen years it's ago. Been a long time. <laughs> right. I, I was a fan of Xena when it was first coming out, and that is literally over a generation ago now. I know. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I, around the time that that came out, that's when when I came out. So it was kind of it was a revelation, you know, watching that and then getting getting these ideas and then writing full stories about them and and, and uh, you know the alternative universe. And so I've been writing, um, you know, off and on for the last fifteen twenty years. And it was actually this, you know, Heart of Gold, which was. Um, you know, a, a fan fiction, somebody commented, you know, this really should be published. And, you know, this is, this should be available, you know, more widely. 
Uh-huh. And and uh, so we started to email each other, and she said, you know, you should you know, put this, this should be an original, you know, fiction story. And so I, I took it offline and began writing, you know, rewriting and, you know, adding to it. Um, I did uh, submit it to a couple of publishers. Um, it did come back rejected. But, you know, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. I found this uh, awesome writing group. We nicknamed our group Dad Jobs, which was actually a typo from Day Jobs, but wow. uh, it stuck. And uh, they've, uh, those women have been amazing. They have helped me tremendously. So I have to have a shout out to them. What was it like to, to revise it from a fan fiction to a standalone novel? How much did you change? Honestly, pretty much just the names. I mean, because it was such, it was. canon divergent, you know, the only, you know, the only thing that, yeah, that that I had to change were the names and a little bit of the character traits where you would like, oh, I know who that is, you know, if you were to read both and compare them side by side. But, um, you know, I I did such, I I researched for for the uh, fan fiction as well. So I just really had to, um, I added in like 20,000 words, just different scenes, Uh and then just changed changed the names and and there it was I mean it was it was pretty much an original fiction and in name so so yeah the 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 contemporary novel that you have coming out I guess later this month in the black Mm -hmm. um did that also start as fan fiction or is that uh uh, purely original purely original yeah yeah I um that one I started writing back in probably November and set it aside um, when I um, decided to rewrite or revise Heart of Gold. And then I just picked it back up. And yeah, I did a little research for that too, for wildland firefighting. That was uh-huh. that was pretty, pretty interesting. Why don't you uh, give a little blurb for it since it's uh, just about to come out? And even though it's not historical, this is your chance to promote. <laughs> Well, thank you. So, yes, yeah, so it's it's about a wildland firefighter from a small town. Her name is uh, Michelle Mitchell, but she goes by Mitch. And she's made her way to a uh, firefighting captain. And, you know, her, her basically, she, she loves her dog. She loves her job. She loves her best friend. His name is Fish. And he's also a firefighter. But she always, in the back of her mind, thinks about her her ex-girlfriend, her high school sweetheart, Lily. Uh, And then Lily shows up because her aunt is sick. And she basically, her aunt wills her the bar. And so she moves back to her small town uh, from Atlanta. And they reconnect you know, over, uh, over their aunt, over, uh, sorry, over Lily's aunt, because Mitch knew her very well as well. And they, feelings start to be rekindled and they, they work their way back to each other. As one does. Yes, exactly. Happy ending, happy ending all. Well, that's fabulous. Um, So if listeners wanted to follow you on social media, where should they look? So I am on Twitter quite a bit at LucyDreamer70. My website is lucydreamerwriter.com, and there you can subscribe to my newsletter I started, and you can email me, comments, whatever. But those are my two main social media platforms I, I, I do. I don't do Facebook, sorry. <laughs> Can't do it. Okay. Well, I will include links to those and to the books we mentioned in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider supporting our Patreon.